We're going to read together tonight from the New Testament. We're reading from John's Gospel, and we're reading from chapter 9. Gospel according to St. John, the ninth chapter, we're commencing to read at verse 1. Nice and easy to find the Gospel books. For some of you who may not be too well acquainted with the Bible, uh, it's very suitable to read from the Gospels, at least tonight. So, John chapter 9, and commencing to read at verse 1, the first 11 verses. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. They didn't have a great concept of God, did they? That God would do such a thing because of something that had happened back in the past. But that was way the philosophy in Old Testament times. Somebody had to have done something for a boy to be born blind into the family. That's why they asked that question. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go! Wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, and said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I know not. We shall conclude there at verse 12. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank and praise Thee this evening that when a day begins, we never know how it is going to end, but we have to say thank You whenever a day starts out normal and finishes up supernatural. And for this man, that day had come. And we pray this evening, Lord, that someone who awoke this morning without a Savior in darkness will finish this day in Christ in the light. Lord, we pray that tonight, this Thursday evening, will be a very special night. And that the songs that we have just been singing will become their testimony too. And we pray that there will be joy in heaven tonight over at least one sinner repenting 
And yes, Lord, we're trusting Thee for many in these special days of evangelistic mission. And we do pray, Lord, tonight that what we cannot do, that the Holy Spirit Himself will do. So settle our minds, our hearts, and our focus our thoughts, Lord, and draw us this evening and bless Thy praying people as we continue in Thy presence this night. In the Savior's name we pray. Amen and amen. I have a very simple title for my message tonight, From Darkness into Light. And that's, of course, because of the Bible reading which we've had just a few moments ago. I'm always struck by the opening sentence of this chapter. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man. And right here tonight, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing this way. This way. Today. He's passing this way. Today. And the Savior was never unaware of people around him. Of course, that's why he came. Because his heart was with the sons of men, the Bible says. He loves humanity, even though humanity rejected him and indeed ultimately nailed him to a cross. But despite that, he loves us still. And tonight he can speak into our hearts and he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. And he said that to a people who had at no time, had not at that time, given him any credence or followed him or listened to his word back in Old Testament times. God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. But salvation full at highest cost he offers free to all. He saw a man. Jesus is interested in human beings. Jesus is interested in the individual. I see you as a congregation, some young, some very young, some a little older. But Jesus sees you tonight not on the outside only. He sees you on the inside. Because me, looking on the outward appearance, I cannot see you on the inside. But he knows you as you are. He knows your past. He knows your disappointments. He knows your heartache. He knows your heartbreak. He knows your desires. He knows your needs. And knowing the very worst about you, he has purchased the very best for you. And there's no one can take a life and make it like Jesus. And when I came to him as a young man, 16 and a half years of age, I didn't come feeling my life will forever afterwards be a disappointment because tonight after almost 60 years walking with Jesus, I can say he is not a disappointment. Jesus is far more to me than in all my glowing daydreams I had fancied he could be. And the more I get to know him, so the more I find him true. And the more I long that others should be led to know him too. And if there is one supreme desire this evening, after the desire that Jesus Christ would be glorified, it is the desire that you would meet with this wonderful Jesus. And this can be a crossroads event for you. 
This is a very special evening as we come to this message because God has laid this message on my heart. There is a lot in the Bible about darkness and light, and I could spend time talking about that, but I don't want to diverge too much. Of course, we know that darkness and light are in those two empires or kingdoms, if you could call them that, Satan's domain and Christ's kingdom. That is light and darkness set in in, uh, divergence from each other, good and evil. One is light, one is darkness. Sinners lost, people saved. That's darkness and light. Hell is a place of outer darkness. Heaven is a place of eternal light. And as you read through the Bible, you begin to see this and you begin to feel it even as you allow the message of God's Word to sink into your heart. It becomes very clear to you that there are two very real and opposite poles in the world today. Light and darkness. And because the world was in darkness Jesus, the light of the world, came and he said, I am come a light into the world. He did speak about the prince of darkness. And we know who he is. But Jesus is more than just a prince. He is the king. He is the Lord of light and glory. And tonight Jesus comes and he speaks into all our hearts. And he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Sometimes it's difficult to get ourselves, or indeed people, to the point where they recognize that they are in one or other of these two situations. Either because of ignorance that they might not have ever heard the gospel, Otherwise, because Satan holds them in their bondage and in their ignorance, or because they willfully reject the light and embrace the darkness, there's many ways by which we find ourselves in such a condition, dark. Or indeed, there is another way by which we may find ourselves in the light, and that is by coming to the cross. Because it is there that the light shines right into our hearts. But it's good tonight to come to very simple and very powerful truths. The first question that I have for you tonight, because my headings are in the form of a question. Will you accept the verdict? This man, as Jesus saw him, he was blind. He was blind from his birth, the Bible says. And as the Savior looked on him and saw him in his darkness, he could see in his heart, mind's eye, and see in all of humanity, in this man, the microcosm of the whole wide world's human race, in blindness and darkness. The Bible says the God of this world hath blinded the mind of those that believe not. You say, Eric, that's me. I have not believed unto eternal life. I have not believed unto salvation. I have thought about it. I know I need to. 
But until tonight, I haven't made the step. I haven't taken the step. I haven't stepped over the line. My question again is, will you accept the verdict? This man knew his condition. Spiritually, sometimes it's more difficult to come to an awareness of our condition. But in meetings like these, the Holy Spirit begins to work in our hearts. In the influence of the prayers of a mother or father or a brother or a sister, we begin to become aware, I am in darkness. I need light in my soul. And the song says, I have light in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. And when we get to that point, we have come to an acceptance of the verdict that outside of Jesus, I am in the darkness Moral darkness, spiritual darkness, and I can't see the pathway of light that I'm walking in. I am lost and blind. Because the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded your eyes, your mind. But thank God tonight, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, says the Bible, has shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad this evening that on accepting the verdict, I've made one vital step toward the solution to my deep and distressing condition. And that happened back in 1962 when the Holy Spirit began to work in my teenage heart. And sitting at the back almost of a church congregation of two or three hundred people on a Saturday night, I felt as if the speaker was speaking to me. He was young, a little older than me, tall, athletic, a fine young man who had come all the way from Dublin, YMCA, to speak and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And somehow, if ever there had been a winsome evangelist, that was a winsome evangelist for my young and well-versed heart in the things of God, but never been drawn. But the Holy Spirit used this man to be the drawing voice that drew me to the cross of Jesus, that drew me to the services, that drew me to the mission that Saturday evening with this goal. Tonight I will trust Jesus Christ. I would love that that would happen to you. It is my prayer. It is the prayer of many. That you too will be drawn. Drawn to the cross which God has blessed. With healing gifts for souls distressed. To find in Him my life, my rest. Christ crucified, I come. Not only is the question, will you accept the verdict and take your place this night as a sinner, lost, without Jesus, who cannot save yourself, and that no good works can bring you to a place of reconciliation with God. Will you accept the verdict? The verdict that you are lost. The verdict that if tonight you should die without Jesus, you would be eternally lost. 
the verdict tonight that without God in Christ you cannot be saved? The verdict tonight that religion cannot save you and all that you seek to do to atone for your sin or attain salvation is of no value before God? And when you accept that verdict, you come to a feeling of bankruptcy, of helplessness, of despondency and despair in your own efforts, and you begin to feel yourself cast upon another. And in the providence of God, you find yourself in the mission. I told you the other evening about Seneca, Nero's philosopher and speechwriter, who said, all my life long, I have sought to climb out of the pit of my besetting sins. And I can't do it. And I never will. Unless a hand is let down to draw me up. Oh, men and women, young people, I look on you this evening and let me tell you this. That hand has been let down. He reached down to me. He reached way down to me. I was lost and in sin. No hope within. When he reached down his hand to me. Young David Livingstone, working at the weaver's loom, a hand reached down to him. And he said this, I felt the downreach of the divine. And he was lifted up and posted by God to Africa to reach the African nation and people and become a great missionary explorer. God's hand is reaching down to where you are now. My second question is this. Would you meet the master? Would you meet the master? As Jesus passed by, he saw a man. And when he saw the man, he addressed him. And he spoke to him. And he touched him. And he was made whole. And if we were to read the chapter through, we would find this man didn't really know much about who it was that had done what had been done to him. Because all he could say to those who questioned him was, a man that is called Jesus touched my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash, and I went and washed and came seeing a man. Sometimes in missions, People look and they see a man. Someone with a name. Someone who has come to be the preacher. And they leave. And they maybe don't like the man or maybe they do like the man. We can't have any much control over that. But they never get beyond seeing a man. But this man got beyond seeing a man. And it's good when you get beyond seeing just a man, just a voice, hearing just a voice, and you begin to feel there's something more here. 
and in the years of missions and evangelistic work. It's wonderful when people come in and the first encounter they have is with a man or a woman to a man on that human level. But then they begin to move beyond the human voice. They begin to see beyond the human vessel and they begin to see like this man, a man who has a message. Because later on he says he is a prophet. And a prophet is a man with a message. And dear men and women, my message is not my own. My message is the message of the cross. My message is about Jesus. My message is not in a church. It's not about a church. It's not about the lifeboat. It's about Jesus. And that's a prophet's message when he gets to the preaching of a Savior who is able to save sinners to the uttermost. And people's vision is diverted from the human messenger to the messenger. The Lord Jesus. And people leave and they say, you know, there was something going on in there that's more than natural. The first Sunday we had services in our brand new church in Bangor in 1977 it was. September 77. Across from the site, there was a beautiful bungalow and there was an elderly sort of man there. He was a master of five trades. He He had a great business going in his earlier years before retirement. And he watched the building going up. And he watched us working on it. And he came around a time or two and he said, you know, when that church opens, I think I'll go over and see these people. And he came to the first Sunday services that I can recall. And I didn't know this until two years later. But going home that evening, after that first night, he said to himself, Boys, this is serious business. And he kept coming. A very shy man who always slipped in really quietly at the back. He left the meeting one Sunday evening, and went along the ring road at Bangor, along to Baloo Industrial Estate area, where Dick Saunders had a big marquee, and a crusade was going on. And there, in a grand crowd of people that evening, as Dick made the invitation, Martin, this elderly man, walked all the way from the back of the marquee, right down, right down past the pulpit platform and right into the inquiry room and was wonderfully converted. And when I went to see him, he said, you know, Pastor Eric, he said, from the first night I sat in that church there, I said, boys, this is serious business. He settled the business. And it is serious business, ladies and gentlemen, because you have an immortal soul that will either be in God's heaven or in God's hell eternally. To lose your wealth is much. To lose your health is more. To lose your soul is such a loss 
that nothing can restore. Just a couple of weeks ago, our granddaughter Hannah, who had just started at Strand Millis there a few weeks back, her friend called her and she said, Hannah, I have very sad news. Naming the other girl, who was the same age, 18, she died suddenly yesterday evening. 18. There is no special age. There is no special age to be saved. But there is no particular age that you cannot be lost eternally if you die without Jesus. Would you want to meet Jesus? Would you want to meet the Master? Because eventually, he moved from seeing a man to a prophet to a man of God to eventually the Son of God. And ultimately he got right to the point where seeing the Son of God he said, Lord, I believe. That's my third question. Would you accept the verdict tonight that you have come in your need, that you are truly lost, that you're truly in peril, that you're truly in the darkness? Would you meet Jesus? You say, I'd love to meet the Master. I remember the night I met him. Some of you have seen this week. You've been reminding me of when you met the Master. Is this going to be your night to meet Jesus at the crossroads where the two ways meet? And say in that moment, goodbye world, Goodbye, sin. Goodbye, worldly way. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus, I come to Thee. Would you meet the Master? Would you trust the Savior? At the end of the chapter, as the man meets, Jesus said to him, Oh, yet let me read it. He answered, Jesus heard that they had cast him out of the temple. And when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said to him, 
Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. How simple is that? But how life transforming that is. I invite you to this Savior with all my heart. Boys, girls, children. Young men. Older people. The invitation is real. It's not fictitious. It's not fake. It's real. Would you trust the Savior? Who is he? Lord, that I might believe, even in that expression, Lord. Light was dawning. And John says at the end of the book, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Unbelieving you might have life through his name. I am saved from my sin and to joy enter in. With the heart, I believe on the Savior. I have wonderful peace from my burden's release. I believe on the Son of God. I believe I believe with the heart I believe in the Savior. I believe, I believe, I believe on the Son of God. Will you trust him tonight? That's what believing is. Believing is receiving. I receive. I receive. I receive. The Son of God. Oh, my dear people. If I could carry you to Jesus, I would carry you to him. But you must come. It's your choice. It's between you and him. This man was never the same again. How the day began was so different to how it ended. How your day began can finish so differently. Like myself, going home that night after the service, six miles out into the country, into my heart there stole the assurance of salvation and these words, thank God. It's settled at last. And the Sunday morning, I awoke and everything seemed brand new. 
And there was a meeting in the final afternoon, that Sunday afternoon, for young converts. I pedaled the six miles on the bicycle like I've never ridden a bicycle since. And I was there at least a half an hour before the time. I was so excited. I had met the master. And when I got there, to my surprise, I met a whole lot of others who had met the master too in the mission. Now it's your turn. It's your night. Dear Lord Jesus, we feel thy sacred presence with us, thy drawing, tender wooing of hearts. And we pray that this evening you will continue to draw by the Holy Spirit's power those who can come, who need to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.